0: The Electoral College has voted for Joe Biden in every single presidential election in American history. This has meant that a president elect has been decided upon, except for one presidential election. We will channel the spirit of 1876 to preserve even a shred of political hope for President Trump and for the rest of us. I'm Michael Knowles. This is the Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. Uh, My favorite comment yesterday from Jason Taylor, who says, Bill Gates couldn't keep windows safe from viruses. Why would anybody listen to him about COVID? Such a good point. This is why I switched off of windows all those years ago. They kept getting so many viruses. And I'm sure a lot of those viruses came from China. Now, all of a sudden, Bill Gates is the virus guru. I don't think so, buddy. Not a chance at all. This This is very true. You know, There is a lot of news right now that is not so pleasant, a lot of tensions, and that's just in politics. Then you get into your private life, you got to see maybe some family you don't want to see, some family you want to see, you aren't able to see because of travel. There's just a, a lot of tension, a lot of stress this year, why I would highly recommend you kick back a little bit. You relax. I think this is important for your health. I think this is important for your mental health, and I've been doing it since I was 15 with a good cigar. Whether you are working from home or just kicking back after a week of being essential, there is no better way to relax than with a premium cigar. Right now, Thompson has created their very own Knolls Cigar Sampler Pack. So you can enjoy the very same cigars that I rave about all the time from your home. I told you this was going to happen a couple months ago. It's here. It's perfect in time for Christmas. The pack includes the Man of War Armada Toro. This cigar is an absolute top shelf gem. Uh, The Davidoff uh, Nicaragua Box Press Robusto, fabulous. Illusione Rothschild San Andres, La Historia by E.P. Carrillo, El Senador. And a personal sentimental favorite of mine, the Oliva Series O Perfecto. This is one of the first cigars I ever started smoking as a young man. My mother gave me a box of it. 12 years ago, 14 years ago for Christmas. I just love it. And it was from Thompson Cigars, by the way, number one choice for premium cigars in the United States. They've just got absolutely uh, terrific knowledge. You can't beat the prices. If I were you, I would buy three or four of those sampler packs at least. Sit back, take a break from all that craziness with a cigar from Thompson Cigar Company. Right now, Thompson is offering our listeners 15% off orders over 75 bucks or 20% off orders over 99 bucks. I'm telling you, just one of the cigars in that sampler can sell for as much as the entire sampler pack. Go right now and you get multiple of them. You'll save even more money. ThompsonCigar.com. Use promo code Knowles. That is T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N. Cigar.com. Use promo code Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Can you tell that I'm excited about this particular sponsor? (laughs) I've been a customer for so long. Uh, I'm less excited about the political prospects right now for the president Unless we can channel the spirit of 17, I'm sorry, not 1776, 1876, Rutherford B. Hayes. This is an outlier in American history because the Electoral College gave most of its votes to uh, Rutherford Hayes' opponent, New York Governor Sam Tilden, who is a Democrat running against Ohio Governor Rutherford B. Hayes, the Republican. Tilden beat Hayes on the popular vote. Uh, after the first round of, of electoral votes, Tilden had 184 electoral votes to Hayes' 165 electoral votes. There were 20 electoral votes from about four states. Does this sound familiar? Th- there were three in particular that were really at play. Florida, Louisiana, and South Carolina. Okay. Then there was also the question of Oregon, this fourth state, where one elector was replaced after being declared illegal for being an elected or appointed official. So you've got these four outstanding states. What are we going to do? Sounds very, very familiar. The way they resolve this is that the constitution provides, quote, the president of the Senate shall, in presence of the Senate and House of Representatives, open all the electoral certificates and the votes shall then be counted. So, you have the electors go, right? You go to vote, and then they, the states pick a slate of electors. The electors go and they vote in the electoral college. That's still not quite the end of it to declare the president elect, because then the president of the Senate opens the votes in the pres- presence of the Senate and the House of Representatives. They count the votes, and then you've got the president elect. Now, this is a tricky phrase in the Constitution. During this crisis of 1876, the Republicans interpreted this provision of the Constitution to mean that the power to count the votes lay with the president of the Senate. And the House and the Senate were just there kind of to watch. But the president of the Senate had the power to count the votes. But because the president of the Senate was Republican, then Hayes would win. Democrats interpreted this differently. They said that they needed to follow the practice that had been followed since 1865, which says that no vote that was objected to by anybody should be counted except by a concurrence of both houses of Congress, the Congress and the Senate. Now, because of this, because the, the, the Congress had a, a, the House of Representatives, rather, had a Democrat majority, that would have thrown the election to Tilden. So what are we to do? Even the Constitution here is a little unclear. Well, what happened is the Congress passed a law on January 29th, 1877, that formed a 15-member electoral commission that would then determine this presidential election. Five members of the House five members of the Senate, five members of the Supreme Court. The effect of this is what's called the Compromise of 1877, which gave the election to Rutherford B. Hayes, sometimes called Ruther Fraud Hayes. How do you like that? Lame political nicknames were popular even in the 19th century. Uh, Hayes gets the presidency. However, Hayes has to promise to pull the federal troops out of the South and end Reconstruction, which Hayes does. This has sort of calamitous effects for everybody, but that's how that election panned out. Are we going to see something like that here? I'm I'm not being flippant about it. We have a hotly contested presidential election. There is evidence of fraud, systemic fraud, actually. Some just came out within the last couple of days. Uh, We we haven't had an election this hotly contested possibly since, since 1876. Uh, So is this going to happen? Are we going to get the compromise of 2021? I don't think so. Because even if you were to follow the example of the electoral commission, let's say you got five members of the Senate and Senate's held by Republicans. So let's say that that goes for Trump. And then you got five members of the House and the House is controlled by Democrats. So that goes for Biden then you got five members of the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court's already ruled in. They don't want to overturn the perception that Joe Biden won the election. So presumably even on a, some kind of commission, electoral commission, uh, that would still go to Biden. So I'm not, not particularly hopeful, but it, it is at least worthwhile to point out to people who say it's completely all over now. Technically, it's actually not totally all over now, but it, it certainly looks as though it is. I think that's why President Trump is trying to fit in so much into this last few moments here. Certainly on the vaccine, we talked about the vaccine for the virus, but even various uh, actions that he can take to change the bureaucracy, actions to set up various special counsel, uh, uh, ways to speed up executions in the criminal justice system. He's doing a lot of things now on the assumption that he will not be the president by the end of January. Joe Biden, by the way, is doing everything in his power while there's still so much rancor in the country, to pretend that he's a moderate, that he's a uniter, he's not a divider, to use George Bush's phrase, uh, to, to bring people together. However, on semi-private calls, for instance, on a recent call with uh, civil rights leaders, Joe Biden, and, and when I say civil rights leaders too, we're talking about left-wing civil rights leaders. So obviously you've got a lot of right-wing civil rights leaders completely kicked out of this. Uh, Joe Biden is, first of all, stumbling over his words. So it's it just it the opening of this civil rights call. You think, how on earth is this guy even going to pretend to assume the presentation of being president?
1: One of the things I'd be concerned about, just as it was pointed out to me that you wanted me to be concerned, Derek, I think it was you said it, about, you know, uh, um, uh, dealing with uh, Vilsack as uh, in, uh, in terms of, a ter- of uh, agriculture. Well, first of all, you can learn more about Vilsack's record, but my point is this. I don't think we should make that a big issue going into before January 5th, when the election takes place down in, in, uh, um, uh, in uh, Georgia. But I also don't think we should get too far ahead of ourselves on dealing with police reform in that because they've already labeled us as being defund the police. All right. So he's talking about
0: January 5th. He's talking about these, these runoff races in Georgia, where you've got the, the fate of the Senate is, is up in the air. The Republicans going to hold the Senate and stop Biden's agenda, or are the Democrats going to win the Senate? And who knows? In the filibuster, add new states, possibly eliminate the Republicans as a national party, all of that on the table. And that's sort of beside the point, because from the very beginning of this call, you just have Biden saying, "Uh, uh um, where, uh, George, uh, where is it, George? yeah?" Uh, and What well, did you say it, or did I say it, or um, uh, huh? and you you just you're listening to this, and you think this man is just not capable of of being president. You know, for the left, he, you don't really need a an active president, a, a man with original ideas, a man with a sort of original ambition. Uh, you would need that on the right because what the right is trying to do in national politics right now is upset the liberal establishment. Joe Biden will just be an avatar of that liberal establishment. That's more or less what he's saying. He's saying, look, I'm going to continue along the same path that we've been on for a very long time. But just as we've had to do in years past, we've got to pretend that we're not moving far left because there's this Senate race. So we've got to pretend that we're moderate until the Senate race because they're already saying that we are in favor of defunding the police. But the question that, that Joe Biden is uh, leaving open here is, are they really in favor of defunding the police? Are they really in favor of radical criminal justice reform that's going to let a lot of criminals off the hook? That it's going to punish a lot of police officers or not? Which is it, Joe? Is it, are you going to be moderate old Joe from Scranton or are you going to let the left wing establishment continue down their terrifying path to quote unquote progress? And Joe answers his own question. He says, yeah, we're talking like moderates now, but don't worry. We will govern as radicals.
1: Anything we put forward in terms of the organizational structure to change policing, which I promise you will occur, promise you, just think to yourself and give me advice whether we should do that before January 5th, because that's how they beat the living hell out of us across the country, saying that we're talking about defunding the police. We're not. We're talking about holding them accountable. I just raise it with you to think about how much do we push between now and January 5th? We need those two seats about police reform, but I guarantee you there will be a full blown commission. I guarantee you it's a major, major, major element. And as Reverend Al said, I I was a pain in the ass to everybody except him when we did the commission before, I didn't think we went far enough. We can go very far. It matters how we do it.
0: We can go very, very far. Don't worry, guys. We're going to be as radical as you want us to be. But we've got to lie about that first so that we can secure the Senate majority so that we can actually get it done. Because if we admit how radical we really are, then the Republicans are going to beat the hell out of us. Joe Biden's words. Kind of raises some questions about how he ended up winning that election if the Republicans were really beating the hell out of him all around the country. But look, they're going to, they're going to beat the hell out of us like they've been doing. And so we've got to lie to them first. But then I promise you, we will be just as radical as you want us to be. I've thought this about Joe Biden from the very beginning. He was in some ways a strong candidate because of how weak and old and out of touch he looks is he doesn't scare those moderate voters who maybe don't like some of President Trump's eccentricities, or maybe just don't like the idea that he's actually Trump actually has changed in some ways that establishment. He's actually cracked a little bit of the establishment's hold on our politics. But what is what is Joe Biden really deep down? Joe Biden is an avatar for the, the prevailing popular political wins in his party, and those wins are extraordinarily focused toward the left. That's what, what you're going to get. But that phrase, it did raise questions to me, even beyond, obviously, we, we now know, I think Joe Biden's going to govern as a left winger because it won't even be him governing. It'll, it'll just be the, the, the left wing establishment. But that phrase in there, they beat the, the Republicans beat the hell out of us around the country. Joe is given to these sort of Freudian slips, (laughs) You, you hear him do this sometimes he says, we've got, do you remember the other one during the campaign? He said, we've got the most extensive voter fraud system ever constructed. He said, what? And he said, oh no, yeah, I meant to say anti-voter fraud system or yeah, whatever. Yeah, uh, hummina, hummina, hummina. that's what I meant. Well, when you say these things, uh, you have to look into the claims of irregularities. In Michigan, there was a judge who just uh, unsealed uh, an, an order on this kind of uh, electoral fraud, and uh, what the auditors found on these voting machines is pretty terrifying. You know, when, when things are really up in the air, when when things are uh, you know uh, uncertain in our politics, you want things you can rely on. For example, gold. Uh, you know, the price of gold has been skyrocketing lately. There is now a new way to buy gold through a company called Acre. Acre lets you subscribe to gold bars for as little as $30 per month. You pay each month and once your gold stash reaches the price of their gold bars, they discreetly ship Acre gold to your house. I love investing in in precious metals because I'm a conservative and conservatives tend to like that. The, The problem was always that physical gold is very expensive and you don't usually have, you know, lots and lots of money just lying around in between your couch cushions. Well, Acre's product allows you to invest in gold while not shelling out zillions of dollars all at once. Acre will keep you updated on your gold stash every single month. It will ship once you reach the price threshold. Acre just recently introduced their new $100 per month subscription for their 5-gram gold bar. Uh, they've got just got a ton of products this way. I think it's a, a really brilliant way to do it. Visit getacregold.com slash Knowles, Start investing in physical gold today. Make sure you go to this URL because Acre is giving away a gold bar. That's a good thing to get, especially around Christmas. Qualify for the giveaway by tweeting or posting why you should be the recipient and mention at get underscore Acre. That is getacregold.com getacergold.com/Noles. Knowles. And thank you, Acre Gold, for supporting the show. The judge ordered a forensic audit of the voting machines in, in Michigan And uh, here is what they found. The Antrim County Clerk and Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson stated that the election night error of flipping votes from Trump to Biden was the result of human error caused by the failure to update the Mansalona Township tabulator prior to election night for a down ballot race. This is according to the report from the people who did the forensic audit, Allied Security Operations Group. The report concludes, we disagree and conclude that the vote flip occurred because of machine error built into the voting software designed to create error. We conclude that the Dominion voting system is intentionally and purposefully designed with inherent errors to create systemic fraud and influence election results. The system intentionally generates an enormously high number of ballot errors. The electronic ballots are then transferred for adjudication. The intentional errors lead to bulk adjudication of ballots with no oversight, no transparency, and no audit trail. This leads to voter or election fraud. Therefore, this Allied Security Operations Group concludes that Dominion should not be used in Michigan and that the Antrim County results, quote, should not have been certified. This forensic audit, which I wish had taken place in other places around the country on other voting machines, is very telling because you've, you've had these vague allegations from the beginning that the voting machines are, resulted in a fraudulent election. I have no doubt that these voting machines are, are vulner, vulnerable to fraud. The, the left has acknowledged this in years past, but now that it seems to benefit them, all of a sudden they're mum about it. And we've heard vague tale of the Kraken, and we've heard vague tale of foreign actors interfering in the elections and hacking and the machines being connected to the Internet. And it's all been kind of vague. This is the first time we've seen a, a pretty specific audit of, of how fraud potentially could have occurred. And it's a little different than the way that we would heard. The way that these, these auditors are saying the fraud occurred, and you can read about this, I think there's a Washington Times piece uh, also outlining this right now on the internet. The way that they're alleging it occurred is the machine did not just go in and and flip the ballots from Biden to Trump or, you know, just necessarily go in and allow foreign actors who are actively monitoring this to skim certain ballots. What this audit found is all the machines had to do was generate enough errors, a huge amount of error. The the auditors here, according to the Washington Times, found a 68% error rate in one county's votes. You generate so many errors that then you've got to go in and adjudicate those ballots. And when you're, when you're going in and figuring out what those ballots say, you don't have any oversight. You don't have the poll watchers. You don't have people who will insist upon transparency. And then you can count them however you want. That's the claim, at least from this one group. How many similar claims would you see around the country? How many voting machines were used? What happens when you've got the voting machines and pair that with widespread unsolicited mail-in ballots? Do we really have faith in these results? What I will tell you is I, I don't have faith in the way that the elections were conducted in the different states. I don't. And most Republicans agree with me, by the way, don't have faith in it. I do have faith in the constitutional system, which is actually a separate question. The way the constitution provides for the president to be elected is that electors show up and vote, and then the Congress will certify the votes, and then that's it. Then you get a new president. And because that's the constitutional system, whatever those guys say, that is our president. And I I accept that constitutional framework. But in terms of how these machines conducted the ballots, in terms of how election officials conducted the counts, especially in Georgia, where they just sent the, the legally mandated poll watchers home and then illegally counted the ballots for several more hours, especially in Philadelphia, where Republican poll watchers were not able to get close up and look at the actual ballots. I don't have any faith in that. And that, that is a travesty. There, there do remain serious questions about how that election was conducted. It's not just in Michigan. Georgia now, in Cobb County, is requiring a signature audit. President Trump's been calling for a signature audit for a month now. What's a signature audit? What's where you make sure that the the ballots that were cast were actually cast by the people who were eligible to cast them? Because if you just go back, if you just take a bunch of ballots, especially with widespread unsolicited mail-in, and then you just take the batch of ballots and you run them through the machine and you say, okay, there's the count. Say, okay, we're going to have a recount. Okay, fine. Go for the recount. You just count the same ballots again. That's not going to do anything. That's why Trump was calling the, the recount in Georgia useless. And and frankly, even the governor, who's now everyone's beating up on Brian Kemp, but he was saying, look, come on, we need a signature audit. Okay, well, get it though. Get us the signature audit. Well, now we got the signature audit. Too late. It's too late. The Secretary of State of Georgia has announced there will be a signature audit of votes in Cobb County, and he may expand the audit statewide. Okay, great. That and a buck fifty will get you a cup of coffee. Because there's just not enough time left for that to. If this had happened a month ago, maybe that would have helped. But there's just not enough time left. You know, there's not enough time in our fast-paced world to make reading a priority, either. At least it used to be. At thinker.org, they summarize the key ideas from new and noteworthy nonfiction, giving you access to an entire library of great books in bite-sized form. Read or listen to hundreds of titles in a matter of minutes from old classics like Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People to recent bestsellers like Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life. Thinker offers a large variety of titles across many categories, from current events, politics, business, to education, to history, to relationships. You will even find titles such as Ben Shapiro's Right Right Side of History. You'll find titles such as Matt Walsh's The Unholy Trinity. You will hopefully find titles such as My Upcoming Book with Words, at some point when that book comes out. If you want to challenge your preconceptions, if you want to expand your horizons, most importantly of all, if you want to sound smart at cocktail parties, go to thinker.org. That is T-H-I-N-K-R.org. No E. There's no time for that. Start a free trial. Download the app today. Let them know that you heard about them on The Michael Knowles Show. That is thinker.org. See you over there. Assuming Joe Biden pulls this out, and unless we invoke the spirit of 1876, he will. We, we need to look at what the left is uh, proposing for us because Joe Biden admitted on that phone call. He said, Look, yeah, we're going to talk like moderates, but we're going to govern like radicals. And right now, Joe Biden's saying we need healing, we need unity. You know, and a lot of the left is paying lip service to this. But then they let the mask slip every once in a while. My favorite, of course, being Deborah Messing. Deborah Messing played Grace on the 90s sitcom Will and Grace. To my knowledge, that's the last thing she ever did. But for some reason, she's a blue check mark and she's still uh, spouts off about politics and people still listen to her. Deborah Messing shows you just how out for blood the left is. They just, they hate Trump. They want to punish him after he leaves office, which I hope happens in four years or eight years or 12 years or I don't know, 16 years. Uh, but it's looking more likely that it will be sooner than that. So, Deborah Messing initially tweets out, she says, that she hopes that President Trump becomes the most popular boyfriend in prison. You see, this is because he'll go to a prison and there'll only be men in this prison, and uh, that he'll be, I assume he won't become a homosexual overnight, so he'll be probably you know, preyed upon by these these predators in prison. That's that's the implication, right? But Deborah Messing, because she's a left winger, always has to pay lip service to how she's pro-LGBT, LMNOP, she's an ally, she loves all these sorts of different sexual uh, preferences and behaviors. And so her tweet sounded, to use a popular word, homophobic right? Because she's saying, I hope you're the most popular boyfriend, but Trump's not a homosexual. So what's that mean? Well, she, wa- she, had, she clarified it, okay? So she issued this apology, quote, let me be clear. I said nothing about LGBTQI slash queer slash queer. What's the Q? There's already a Q in there. There's two queers. Who knows? Love. I didn't say anything about that love. Rape is an act of violence, Trump has perpetrated violence on hundreds of millions of people. My hope is, and this is the first time in my life, that the tables are turned and he is the victim of perpetrators. Hashtag LGBTQIA ally. But there's another letter in there than there was in the first acronym, whatever, or the first initialism. You see, Deborah Messing was not uh, in any way hoping that President Trump would participate in consensual Uh, homosexual love. She's hoping he'll get raped by a man, by a gay guy. She wants, just to clear it up because she's an ally to the gay LGBTQ community. And I know maybe she didn't use the right choice of words. She's hoping that a gay inmate rapes the president of the United States, which is, uh, that's obviously so much better. Hope this clears it up. Uh, She wasn't making a homophobic comment. She was making light of rape. Uh, ally, hashtag ally. Hashtag love wins. Hashtag love Trump's hate. Hashtag Deborah Messing hopes the president of the United States gets raped by a homosexual convict. She deleted that one. That one didn't, <laughs> didn't play very, very well. It, sort of like just digging that hole, making matters worse. So then she issued another apology. <laughs> she tried again. Quote, I'd like to say that I've been an LGBTQIA ally for decades. So she added the a, the first time she said she was the, uh, she liked all the sorts of love. She didn't have the A, but now she has the A again. You know, maybe the third apology is she'll have another letter in there. Uh, I was in no way referencing LGBTQI slash queer. No, nope, no more A. Love slash sexuality. Okay. Yeah, I think she already mentioned that, right? It is not my proudest moment, but 45 has victim, victimized hundreds of millions of people. I had wished the tables turned on him. I apologize for the offensive way I did it. So, huh. So, so she's not referencing anything having to do with homosexuality or anything like that. Um, she is still hoping that he is raped. By an inmate you know she still like wants him to be in prison, but not by a same-sex inmate, not by a male inmate, not by a gay inmate. So she wants if I'm understanding this correctly, Deborah messing wants the President of the United States to go to prison and, and I, I get maybe a, mul- a a prison with men and women at it I don't think there are many of those, but she, anyway assuming he goes to a regular prison, she wants the president to be raped by a woman who sneaks into the prison. It wouldn't be a conjugal visit because that, of course, would be consensual. So she wants a woman to sneak into a male prison and rape the president. Sorry for any confusion that she's caused. I, you know, I mean, all jokes aside, she obviously has an extraordinarily incoherent view of sex and love and politics and everything else. The left I, no, I guess they don't really take sexual assault seriously. I was going to say that they take it seriously because they talk about Me Too, you know, the campus rape epidemic where they say one in four women uh, at Harvard Yard are raped, you know, on college campuses, as though the American University campus is, is more dangerous than Fallujah or something, uh, obviously ridiculous. But they don't take it seriously, right? I mean, if, if the left took sexual assault and rape seriously, they would want those crimes to be prosecuted by the criminal justice system. They would want the perpetrators of those crimes to face real consequences, face trial and then go to prison. But that's not what they do. What they set up are these ridiculous tribunals on university campuses where professors decide to expel students because of these, but they never face any actual criminal justice. They never actually face trials or anything like that. They they go to the Me Too and they get some director fired or something. They never really, with a few exceptions, they never push for them to, to have justice because they don't, they don't take this seriously. And especially when the left transgresses these sorts of uh, politically correct codes, or, or even legitimate, you know, criminal codes, uh, traditional moral order, they don't really hold them to account. You see this with a claim right now against New York Governor Andrew Kovid. A real claim that uh, the believe all women crowd apparently don't, no longer believe all women. You know, on Monday, December 21st, The historical docu-series, Apollo 11, What We Saw, will soon be available exclusively at dailywire.com. The docu-series takes a detailed look at the Apollo 11 mission to land a man on the moon. It was the culmination of a heated decades-long space race between Cold War rivals, the United States, and the Soviet Union. And the podcast explores one of America's greatest accomplishments through the eyes of the millions of Americans who lived through it. A dramatically inspiring story. Apollo 11, what we saw as a fantastic series to watch with your loved ones over the holiday break. Right now, get it for 20% off with code WATCH when you become an insider or above member over at dailywire.com slash subscribe. Dailywire.com slash subscribe to get 20% off with your, your membership with the code WATCH to access all of the new and excellent content at Daily Wire, such as the Ben Shapiro show, which today we'll be touching on President Trump's tremendous triumph on the coronavirus. You know, the left is going to rewrite history, assuming Biden gets in, they're going to completely rewrite history. And they're going to say that Joe Biden cured the coronavirus. The coronavirus really really was as bad as they all said it was, but Joe Biden cured it. He got us a vaccine. They're they're going to say that. And they're not going to give Trump any credit, even though Trump gets 100% of the credit for it. So Ben's going to be talking about that on the show. Uh, Head on over to dailywire.com. We'll be right back with a lot more. There is a sexual harassment claim against New York governor Andrew Cuomo, known among a certain segment of New Yorkers as Andrew Quovid, because his policies were extraordinarily deadly uh, uh, for older, especially older New Yorkers with regard to the coronavirus. Uh, he's being hailed as the greatest governor in America on this topic. He's actually the worst governor in America on this topic, and apparently he's been harassing people about many other things, not just whether or not they could go to church, not just whether or not they could show up and have holidays with their families. A former employee, Lindsay Boylan, says, she tweeted this out, quote, Yes, New York Governor Cuomo sexually harassed me for years. Many saw it and watched. I could never anticipate what to expect. Would I be grilled on my work, which was very good, or harassed about my looks? Or would it be both in the same conversation?" This was the way for years, not knowing what to expect, what's the most upsetting part aside from knowing that no one would do a damn thing even when they saw it, no one. And I know I'm not the only woman. I'm angry to be put in this situation at all, that because I am a woman, I can work hard my whole life to better myself and help others and yet still fall victim as countless women over generations have. Mostly silently, I hate that some men like New York Governor Cuomo abuse their power. I would love it if Andrew Cuomo would leave the national political stage. I uh, think he's just terrible and he obviously has higher aspirations and I hope that those aspirations fail. I am skeptical of this woman's account I try, I try to at least have a consistent standard here when it comes to these sort of allegations. Anybody can make an allegation. They often come at politically opportune times. This woman put this in a long thread about the broader topic of sexual harassment, which makes me skeptical because it would appear that there is an ideological message here. And then this Cuomo thing is being used to, to justify that, but it's not being made separately. It's not saying, this. here's an actual thing that just happened. I want to tell you about it. She said it went on for years and years. If This, of course, raises the question. If this was such harassment, why did she permit it to go on for years and years? Why, why not report it at the time? Why not quit? Why not file a formal complaint? Why not accuse him? Because then there would be a formal inquiry, and then who knows? I am a little skeptical, especially with the timing, because Cuomo is apparently up for attorney general in a Biden administration. This woman is also apparently running for borough president in New York City. So it just, I just don't buy it. I would not bet money that this really happened. And I certainly wouldn't bet money that this uh, is going to go anywhere, even if it did happen. Andrew Cuomo abuses his power. There is no doubt about that. This guy is a complete bulldog and he comes from a political family and I just don't like him. Uh, But, I'm not so sure it happened, and Cuomo, for his part, is denying that anything did happen.
1: I heard about the uh, tweet uh, and what it said about uh, comments that I had made, and uh, it's not true, Zach. Uh, look, I, I fought for, and I believe, uh, a woman has the right to come forward and express her opinion uh, and, uh, express issues and, and concerns that she has. Uh, but it's, uh, it's just not true. Fair enough.
0: Fair enough. If, if I were Andrew Cuomo right now, I'm up for attorney general. You've got this other politician who's running for another office and she makes this claim years after anything allegedly happened. I would probably, and assuming it's, it's not true. Uh, I would, uh, I would, I would have the same answer which would be consistent. It's not consistent for the left to have that answer because the left has foisted a new standard on all of us over the past five years or so. That new standard is the politically correct standard of me too, of believe all women. But the left doesn't really believe all women. They want to make, they want everyone to believe all women when there's an accusation, no matter how ludicrous against a Republican, but they want the left to believe no women when there's a claim against a Democrat. So he, he comes out and he changes it. It's no longer, I believe women have a right to be believed, which is what, what Hillary Clinton said before she stopped believing women and after she stopped believing women. He says, I fought for and I believe that women have the right to state their opinion. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, man. Does anybody, who out there agrees that women have the right to state their opinion? Yeah, all the hands go up in the audience, right? That's very different than what the left has been telling us but it just didn't happen. It just, none of this happened. It didn't, I am going to be the attorney general. I am Andrew Cuomo, the anointed Andrew Cuomo. Of course, that that standard is the issue. I I keep going back to this topic because I think the the only way we're going to be able to fight the politically correct, the woke standards is to offer a standard of our own. And so I'm not just saying believe all women, and I'm not saying believe no women, and I'm not saying none of these things can be true. I'm not saying always go after the Democrat. Here's my standard. If a person is going to make a claim like this, then we have to take factors into account. The timing of the claim, the character of the person making the claim, the character of the person who's being accused, the way in which the claim is being made the proper channels that the claim is going through. Is it going through the criminal justice system? Is it going through, I don't know, HR? Is it, or is it just being made on Twitter as part of a broader narrative? And you adjudicate it, and then you believe some women, and you disbelieve other women, just as you would believe some men and disbelieve other men. Sexual politics is very confusing these days, especially after reading Deborah Messing, and then reading Andrew Cuomo. But I think you're not going to be able to go to some, some neutral standard, some default standard. You always are going to have premises here about sex, about men and women, about love, about marriage, about politics, about everything. And the left has all of those and they're, they're kind of, sort of even being honest about it. And the right is pretending, no, we'll just go to some neutral default playing ground. I don't think so. We need to have our own standards too. Sexual politics changing all the time. A left winger is, is in trouble for this. James Corden who is a late night talk show host, and he's a Broadway guy. James Corden is now being accused of wearing gay face. And I said, gay, what is gay face? What is going to come up on Google when I search that term gay face? Gay face is the, a new politically correct piece of jargon. I think it was invented five minutes ago to refer to a straight man playing a gay man in, in the way that uh, you know, a white guy playing a black guy. is now blackface, you know, or brownface is Justin Trudeau. When he got caught wearing blackface, he had to say he was wearing brownface to make it seem a little better. Well, now there's gayface. So James Corden is in this movie. It's called The Prom. It's on Netflix and uh, it's being directed by Ryan Murphy. And now they're very upset because he sh- they say he should have cast a gay actor. Now, what does that mean? We now have this very sexual essentialist idea. You are either gay or you are not gay right? You're born this way. It's immutable. It's your sexual orientation. Nothing about your sexual orientation can change. That's what we've been told for 20, 30 years and by the sort of LGBT evolving movement. But then now we're also told the opposite. We're being told sexuality is changeable. It's mutable. I can identify however I want. I can pursue whatever person I want. I can have whatever desires I want. My desires can change. Well, in that, if that's true, then the sort of born this way argument gets a little weakened. And certainly the gay face argument gets weakened because a guy can can do whatever he wants. To give you a sense of this performance, there's just a little, little few seconds of it during the Netflix trailer. James Corden does play up the flamboyance.
1: Okay, well, let's give this girl a prom.
0: So it's stereotypically gay. Now, we all know gay people who behave exactly like that. And frankly, that's muted compared to some of the gay people that I'm sure all of us know. But this is considered too flamboyant. You've got to play gay guys as I don't know, straight guys or something. I don't know. You can't. You can't point out that there are certain characteristics and cultural attributes that go along with that particular persuasion. I will tell you, I didn't realize James Corden was straight. I thought I, he's a Broadway guy, He's a show business guy. I, I assumed he was a gay guy, and apparently not. And now he's he's getting in trouble for this. But it's it's always shifting. It's always. It, it began with you. You can't. Uh, play a Native American. You know, the most famous Native American in American pop culture is the, the crying Native American, you know, with the teardrop at Woodstock. Uh, that the guy was Italian. He wasn't Native American. And now when you add in the transgender ideology to the mix, all of a sudden it gets even more confusing. It's so confusing that even Family Guy, which is a liberal channel or a liberal uh, show rather, created by a liberal showrunner, Seth MacFarlane, they even made fun of Uh, transgender ideology in relation to uh, Christmas and the nativity. Take a listen.
1: All right, time to put up the 2020 Christmas decorations. First, ethnically accurate Jesus goes right here next to Father Mary and Mother Josephine, followed closely by the three genderless wise people on their bird scooters, Tig Nataro for some reason, and of course, the little drummer them, because God forbid we call a boy a boy. Dad, what are you saying? I don't like what the world is. I'm white. When's it gonna be our turn?
0: Now, this is actually a very complex joke, because it's Seth MacFarlane. It's got to be somewhat blasphemous. I'm just going to look past that for the moment to analyze the joke, uh, because uh, because it's funny. Because transgenderism as an ideology doesn't make any sense whatsoever. MacFarlane, who's a funny guy, ha- has to make a joke about it. But because it's a liberal show, he's got to also make a joke at conservative expense. So it begins with uh, this idea that Jesus is black, right? Ethnically, it's a little black plaster doll who's standing in for Jesus. He says, ethnically accurate Jesus. Now, you wonder, is this a joke about black nationalism, which says that all great historical figures were black? Or is this a joke about, is it actually the case that some people believe this? Who knows? Then, you know, it gets into all the crazy gender stuff and Tignataro, and, right, there's a a comedian who's not the most feminine comedian. And so, okay, now you realize you're making a joke about that. And he says, because we can't just call a boy a boy. And, but is that, is that going to be the final point of the joke? No, they wouldn't let him get away with it. So then the joke has to be about how straight white guys are, Stodgy and conservative, and they won't, you know, they, they think that they're the victims, right? So there are actually like four jokes in this. But one of the jokes, which is a legitimate joke, is at the expense of gender ideology. But which is it? We're in this moment of flux. We're in this music where, where even this comedy show can't decide which, I can't go for the fully conservative target. I can't go for the fully left wing target. And then, speaking of white guys, speaking of white guys, the Cleveland Indians one of the holdouts against the politically correct culture, the Cleveland Indians are changing their name. I think my first baseball game I ever saw was the Yankees versus the Indians in the playoffs in 90, what was it 98 maybe? It's very sad. I always liked the Indians. The Cleveland Indians are going to lose the name Indians. Just like Lando Lakes, Butter lost the Indian woman sitting on the front of the box. Just like Aunt Jemima lost Aunt Jemima. No longer is Aunt Jemima even on the pancake syrup. Why? What is offensive about calling the team the Indians? What is offensive about having an, an Indian on the Lando Lake Sputterbox? What is offensive about having Aunt Jemima on the bottle? In the case of those latter two, that Lando Lake's Indian was illustrated by an Indian man, by a Native American. And now the work of that Native American man written out, deleted. Aunt Jemima was a black character played by a black woman invented by a black man, a black comedy writer. Everything about Aunt Jemima was authentically black. You know, it wasn't just the creation of some awful white oppressor who drew the character and then had a white guy in blackface play the character. No, it was black performers who created it. And now, overwhelmingly white, politically correct people are writing these groups out of our history because the culture, the politically correct culture is uncomfortable with difference. They always would do that before the Washington football team changed the name uh, from, changed their name from the Redskins. Every few years, you'd see a poll of Indian groups. They'd say, are you offended by the Redskins name? And overwhelmingly, 90% plus of them would say, no, we don't care. But liberal white people cared a lot. And I suspect it's the same thing with the Cleveland Indians. Obviously, there's nothing offensive about recognizing these different groups in our culture. But what the left can't handle that there is cultural difference, that there is such a thing as Indians. That there is such a history as black people have had in America. That there is such a thing as Native Americans from the land of lakes. They can't handle that. So it all has to be the same. They can't handle that gay people in gay culture have certain eccentricities that are are, are identifiable. And we all know what it is. And that's why they're calling it gay face. They can't handle any of that. You know, it's, it's become tired and cliche to say that the left wants diversity, but they don't really celebrate diversity in any way. But, you know, it remains true. This is, this is the effect of a, an abstract rationalist, utterly homogenizing ideology that the left has. That everything just has to be up in the realm of ideas and it's all got to be exactly the same. And we can't celebrate the differences of life that are kind of interesting and amusing and maybe they're not always great, but they're kind of funny. Who knows? You know, it gives, gives zest to life, which conservatives do, because conservatives oppose this kind of idea that we should have a, an abstract rationalism as our ultimate political vision. We kind of like that things are weird in this world. We know that this is a fallen world, first of all. We know that things are going to have imperfections. We know that we're going to have imperfections, and other people are, and they're going to sometimes show themselves differently. And, and we approach these matters through prudence, and we, we approach them through practicality. Who cares if it works in theory? Does it work in practice? Well, the left flips that entirely. Even, you know, as they've tried to, from the very, the very moment of election night, when all the votes started to flip for Biden, they say, okay, that's it. Now it's done. That's over. Now he's president. Uh, well, probably, probably Joe Biden is going to become the president. There are some eccentricities left. If we summon the spirit of 1876, wouldn't that be wild? Wouldn't that be just absolutely wonderful? Not holding my breath for it, but uh, the world is full of wonder and difference and uh, surprises. We'll have more surprises tomorrow. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens, supervising producers Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling, production manager Pavel Vidovsky, editor and associate producer Danny D'Amico, audio mixer Mike Coromina. Hair and Makeup by Nika Geneva, and production assistant, McKenna Waters. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. Hey
1: everyone, it's Andrew Klavan, host of The Andrew Klavan Show. It's now official, Trump didn't win the election the way he says he did, but he did win in a way few people have yet realized. I'll explain it all on The Andrew Klavan Show.